Uh, Acts chapter 20, verse 36 through chapter 21, verse 16 is our text today uh, in a sermon that I have entitled Courage from Conviction. Several years ago, Paul Harvey, a radio personality, for some of you, Paul Harvey is ancient history. For others of you, he's still pop culture. Paul Harvey, on one of his radio segments, once read this story. He said, one summer morning, as Ray Blankenship was preparing his breakfast, he gazed out the window and saw a small girl being swept along in the rain-flooded drainage ditch beside his Andover, Ohio home. Blankenship knew that farther downstream, the ditch disappeared with a roar underneath a road and then emptied into the main culvert. Ray dashed out the door and raced along the ditch, trying to get ahead of the floundering child. Then he hurled himself into the deep, churning water. Blankenship surfaced and was able to grab the child's arm. They tumbled end over end. Within about three feet of the yawning culvert, Ray's free hand felt something, possibly a rock, protruding from one bank. He clung desperately, but the tremendous force of the water tried to tear him and the child away. If I can just hang on until help comes, he thought. He did better than that. By the time the fire department rescuers arrived, Blankenship had pulled the girl to safety. Both were treated for shock. On April 12, 1989, Ray Blankenship was awarded the Coast Guard Silver Life-Saving Medal. The award is fitting for this selfless person was at even greater risk to himself than most people know. Ray Blankenship didn't know how to swim. Where does courage like Ray's come from? What is it in a man or a woman that would lead them to do what otherwise seems so foolish? Conviction. Conviction about the right thing to do, regardless of the consequences. Conviction about the outcome when the outcome is still uncertain. Courage comes from conviction. There is a greater kind of courage that comes from an even greater conviction that we see in our text today. In our text today, we'll find on Paul's journey back to Jerusalem, as he rounds out his third missionary journey, that he will meet with three different groups of believers who are saddened by his impending arrest and suffering. He's made it known to them that that is what awaits him in Jerusalem. It has been revealed to them by the Holy Spirit that that is what awaits Paul in Jerusalem. And they're saddened by this news. And though Paul loves these brothers and these sisters that he meets on his way back to Jerusalem, he is convicted and convinced of his calling to suffer for Christ. And just as Paul found courage to face imprisonment and death in his conviction about God's call on his life, so also, Christians, should we find courage to fulfill our calling from the conviction that we have about the call of the gospel on our lives. As we look at this text this morning, we should, as a result, look to the conviction, look to the, uh, what we have convinced, uh, been convinced about with regards to the gospel. We should look to God's calling in our lives as the source of our courage to face uncertain and dangerous possibilities. Let's read this text together. Would you stand with me as we honor God by reading his word? Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 36. These verses are familiar to us. We read them uh, three or four weeks ago. When Paul had said these things to the uh, elders of Ephesus that are gathered there together in the city of Miletus, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. 
and they accompanied him to the ship. And when we had departed from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patera. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, we were te- they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, and we, were, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist. You remember Philip from Acts chapter uh, 9 with the uh, eunuch from Ethiopia? Philip, who was one of the seven, and we stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus, who we met in Acts chapter 11, came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Menaeson of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. And God bless his church through the reading and study of his word. You may be seated. Courage that comes from conviction. The courage that we see in Paul's life displayed in these verses comes from no other place than the conviction he has about the gospel and the specific call of God on his life. Conviction gives Paul courage to face what is coming to him. There are four principles, I think, that we can glean from this text this morning from the life and example of Paul here in God's word. First is this. That conviction, conviction about the gospel, gives us courage to say yes when others tell us to say no. Conviction gives us courage to say yes when others tell us to say no. There are at least two places in our text today where we saw that those that Paul loved the most and was nearest to were telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. Don't do it. You know what awaits there. Please don't go. And the reason that they're telling him not to go to Jerusalem is because they know what awaits him there. Acts 21 verse 4 tells us that at the port city of Tyre, the believers were telling Paul through the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit was revealing to the believers there at Tyre that, uh, that Paul, uh, they were asking him not to go to Jerusalem because of the arrest and imprisonment that awaited him there. In chapter 21, verse 11, that prophet Agabus, who we first met in Acts chapter 11, informs Paul that there's uh, only arrest and suffering at the hands of the Jews awaiting him in the city that Paul is going to. Knowing all of this, 
the Tyrians and Paul's companions, his missionary friends, Luke and the others, on two separate occasions, plead with him not to go to Jerusalem. They say, Paul, this is what the Lord has said will happen to you if you go there. Please don't go. Now, the hearts of those who plead with Paul to say no are not sinful. They love Paul. Paul is dear to them. Paul is helpful to the church. Certainly to lose him would be a real loss for the church of Jesus Christ and for the Christian community. Paul is a, is, is a powerful witness to the gospel and a powerful preacher and a church planter and, and, and leadership builder, direction setter for the church. If Paul dies, the church is in trouble, they think. These brothers and sisters are not acting sinfully out of their love for Paul, but they are wrong. Paul is certain that what they fear is precisely what God has called him to. Paul is, uh, in the days following his, his conversion in Acts chapter 9, Paul is told by the Christian brother named Ananias in the city of Damascus, he is told how much he will have to suffer for the name of Jesus. Paul's ministry, Paul's life as a Christian began with the promise of suffering for the name of Jesus. Even in his farewell speech to the elders of Ephesus at Miletus, we saw a few weeks ago in Acts chapter 20, verse 23, Paul says to those brothers that he knows there's only imprisonment and affliction awaiting him the rest of his life. Don't go, Paul, his friends say. You'll die. This is what the Lord has for you there. Just say no. Don't go. I know, says Paul. I know I'm going to die. I know suffering and arrest wait for me. And dear friends, I've known this for quite some time. But what you see as frightening and uncertain, Paul says, I know to be the call of God on my life. I must obey. I must say yes. Conviction about the gospel, the hope that we have of forgiveness of sins and eternal life through trusting in Jesus Christ, that conviction gives Paul courage to say yes to God's call when other people are encouraging him to say no. Dear Christian, this morning, being convicted about the call of the gospel to give your life to Christ and oftentimes for Christ, being convicted about the call of the gospel, have courage to obey Christ. Amen. Have courage to obey Christ. Now look, not all of us will be called to give our lives for the cause of the gospel in the way that Paul and the early apostles did. Not all of us will be called by God to give our lives as martyrs for the faith. In fact, very few of us will. Very, maybe even more likely among those of us in this room, none of us will. But the gospel does call all of us, not necessarily to die as martyrs, but the gospel does call all of us to die to self and to live to Christ. The gospel calls all of us to say no to what we want and to say yes to what Christ wants. It is not a question in the mind of the true Christian as to whether he or she will obey Jesus. There is no question there. The answer is always yes. It is a calling that we embrace with courage, knowing that we have been saved by Christ, knowing that we are being saved by Christ, knowing that we will be saved finally by Christ. 
saying yes to Jesus, being obedient to him, is not a one-time venture, Christian. Being courageous to obey Jesus is not summed up in the one time that you walked down an aisle at a church and prayed a prayer to receive Christ. That is not true courage. True courage that comes from true conviction lasts a lifetime. It is a daily surrender of your will, of your desires, of your preferences. It is a daily surrender, Christian, of your plan for your life to the Lord Jesus. This is hard work. This is hard work. This is a hard calling to be called to. But dear friends, we can do this. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do this. In fact, we must do this if we truly intend to be fully mature disciples of Jesus. Now, I've known Christians in my life, and maybe you have too, who often have said, I wish that I had, I, I read the, the New Testament and I see the life of Paul and, and, and I read his, his letters and, and what he did with the church in the book of Acts. I wish I had that kind of closeness with Christ that Paul had. I want that kind of relationship. I want my life to look like Paul's life. I want to be close to Jesus that way, as though it were some sort of, of pipe dream, some sort of unattainable venture to have. Like, like we want this, this, this closeness with Jesus, but it's not really possible. Friends, know this. A walk with Christ like Paul's is not impossible to have today. A closeness with Christ like that of the Apostle Paul's is not impossible for you. It only requires all the things that it required of Paul. Repentance of sin. Trust in Jesus as the risen Savior and Lord of your life. It only costs the same things. It only takes the same things required of Paul. Daily obedience to Christ your King. Courage based on your conviction of Christ's promises to say yes to every hard thing Jesus may call you to. Christian, if you believe the gospel, if you are convinced of the gospel, if you are convicted that it is the truth about how to be right with God, you can and you ought to have courage to say yes to Jesus. Secondly, Conviction gives us courage to face danger without flinching. Conviction gives us courage to say yes when others tell us to say no. And conviction gives us courage to face danger without flinching. Paul being confronted with his own, uh, in his own heart with the realities that await him in Jerusalem and the rest of his life, and with the very dramatic and visible word of the prophet Agabus, who illustrates in a very graphic form uh, what will happen to Paul, He still sets his face toward that great city of Jerusalem and makes his way there. Paul displays throughout our text today an unflinching attitude toward the certain danger that awaits him. Paul knows he'll be arrested. Paul knows he'll be imprisoned. Paul knows he will suffer and very likely die for the gospel of Jesus Christ if he goes to Jerusalem. And yet... With all that danger facing him, he stands unflinching and walks stalwartly toward that city. And this is the attitude, this kind of attitude is the one that can only come through the strength and power that Christ supplies. Paul's resolution within himself to get to Jerusalem does not come from his own strength, from his own power, from his own ability or efforts to be obedient. It's coming only from the strength that Christ has supplied to him. You may see in Paul a strong reflection of Jesus himself, who toward the end of his life set his face toward Jerusalem, knowing what awaited him there with the same unflinching gaze. Jesus said to his disciples with all the courage and confidence in the world in Matthew chapter 20, 
verses 18 and following. He said, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he'll be raised on the third day. Church, Jesus knew what was waiting for him in Jerusalem. He also knew the purpose for which he came to earth to give his life as a sinless sacrifice for sinners. Paul knows what awaits him in Jerusalem. But he also has a strong conviction about the purpose that God has for his life. And the conviction that he has about the call of God on his life gives him courage to look at the danger that awaits him and to stare at it unflinching. Christian, you too can face danger and uncertainty with courage, knowing that you are secure in Christ. You can have courage to face threats for your faith. You can have courage to do what otherwise would be dangerous for the cause of the gospel. You can be brave and courageous to do these things if you know, if you are certain, if you are convicted that you are secure in the hands of Jesus. Paul illustrates this beautifully for the church in Rome for the church in Rome as he writes to them in Romans chapter 8 verses 38 and 39 where he says I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord rest in suffering Christian Paul says can't nothing take you from the grip of Jesus It's been about a month and a half since my mom uh, retired from the company that she worked for for over 30 years. And uh, as she was approaching her retirement date, we even attended a retirement uh, uh, dinner for her that the company put on. And uh, as her, her retirement date was approaching, we started joking about things that she should do in the office before she retires. You know, in the last couple of weeks, she, she has their uh, uh, pranks that she should play on people, you know, tricks that she things that she should say that she's always wanted to say and never felt like she could. And we would always just rationalize those ridiculous things. Well, what are they going to do? Fire you? <laughs> the worst that anything could happen two weeks before her retirement is that she gets fired. What's the worst anything anyone can do to us? For we who are secure in Jesus Christ, what's the worst that anyone can do to us? Force us to close our church doors? That's fine. We've all got houses we can meet in. I've got a driver's license. I can work for Uber. I know how to make candy and lattes. We'll be just fine. (laughs) What's the worst that the world can do to us? Tell us we can't be Christian in public? That's okay, too. Our brothers and sisters in China and Saudi Arabia have been growing the church in secret for decades. So can we. What's the worst that the world can do? Put us in handcuffs and lock us in prison? No worries, friends. There are no walls that can keep the Holy Spirit of God contained. And besides, God has a good many men and women in prison that he is prepared to hear the gospel and respond to in faith and repentance in Jesus Christ. What's the absolute worst the world can do? March us to the hangman's noose? Lay our necks at the guillotine? Stand us blindfolded before a firing squad? Parade us onto a beach in Libya with knives at our throats? Friends, I don't mean to be flippant, 
That prospect is scary. And for some believers around the world, that prospect is real. A good many of our Christian brothers and sisters around that world face that prospect every day. I'm not trying to be silly. I'm not trying to be flippant. But dangers such as these, we can look resolutely in the face with courage that comes from the hope of knowing that the very worst that the world and Satan can do to us is to speed our reunion with Jesus Christ, to help us all the more quickly to see Him face to face. Live with courage. Preach the gospel with courage. Engage the world with the hope of Jesus Christ with courage that comes from the conviction that the gospel is true, that Jesus is real, that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ, everyone who has repented of sin and trusted in him. Conviction gives us courage to face dangers without flinching. And coming right on the heels of that, thirdly, we see that conviction gives us courage to love Jesus even more than our own lives. Courage or Conviction gives us courage to love Jesus more than our own lives. This principle is best displayed by Paul in chapter 1, verse 13. There with his missionary companions, the evangelist Philip... The other believers in Caesarea, even Luke himself, all pleading with Paul not to go to Jerusalem, he responds to them this way, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? Friends, I am, not, I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. The conviction Paul has about his calling, about the purpose that God has intended for his life, gives him the courage to love Jesus and to love obedience to Jesus even more than he loves his next breath. Paul's response to his dear friends in Caesarea relates that it is worse to keep your own life and be disobedient to God than to be obedient to God and to lose your life. This is the call of Jesus to all who would follow him. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verses 23 through 25, Jesus uh, says this, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Conviction gives us courage to love Jesus more than our own lives, Christian. So you then, follower of Jesus, believer in Jesus, have courage in Christ to love greater things than living. Be brave enough in your own life to love Christ and to love obedience to Christ even more than you love your own safety, even more than you love your next breath. Would, oh God, would that you would give us a love for Jesus and a love for obedience to him that surpasses our love for for comfort and security and an easy life. God, would that you would call us to danger for the sake of the gospel and that you would give us the ability to love you and obedience to you more than our own safety. Christian, you can have courage to love Jesus more than your own life. You have that courage. You can have that courage if you are convinced that the gospel is true. If you are convinced that Jesus is really raised from the dead. If you are convinced that God has called you to obedience in this life for purposes greater than you can ever imagine because his word has said so and we can trust him. It wasn't until 1606 that the Spanish explorer Ferdinand de Quiros 
discovered a chain of 80 islands that stretched across about 450 miles of the South Pacific. Later named the New Hebrides, the islands were inhabited by people whose existence had been unknown to the rest of the world for centuries. It would be another 230 years before two London missionaries made the first earnest attempt to bring the gospel to this unengaged and unreached people group in 1839. But these two London missionaries were killed and eaten by cannibals only minutes after going ashore. English missionary couple John G. Patton and his wife set sail to the islands of the New Hebrides in 1858, almost 20 years later. But their decision to go to these cannibal-infested islands did not come without criticism. On one account, before leaving, a respected elder in Mr. Patton's church chided. He chastised the couple, saying, You will be eaten by cannibals. Don't you care about your life? To which Patton responded, Mr. Dixon, you are advanced in years now, and your own prospect is soon to be laid in the grave, there to be eaten by worms. I confess to you that if I can but live and die serving and honoring the Lord Jesus, it will make no difference to me whether I am eaten by cannibals or by worms. Christian, have courage to love things that are greater than your own life. Have courage to love Jesus and obedience to Him and His call in your life more than you love your own safety and security, more than you love your next breath or the prospect of of a tomorrow. Fourth and finally, we learn from Paul's life and his example in these verses that conviction gives us courage to trust that the will of God is good. Conviction gives us courage to trust that the will of God is good. We see in our text today where all of Paul's stubborn conviction and resulting courage leads not only him, but those who love him. While every one of Paul's friends is pleading with Paul to let go of his conviction to go to Jerusalem, it is Paul's conviction about his calling to die for Jesus that ultimately changes their conviction. Paul's certainty of his calling is contagious. His courage is infectious. Where others encourage him to say no, he resolutely says, I must. Where danger threatens, Paul stares it down to submission. As others are saying to him, Paul, you need to think about your life, dude. You're going to die if you go to Jerusalem. Think about yourself for once. Where they say that to him, Paul says, my life means nothing if I'm not willing to die for Christ. You say, I should think about my life. This is what I think about my life, friends. It means nothing if I'm not willing to give it for Jesus. Paul answers every one of the concerns for his life and for his safety with all of the courage and all of the confidence of a man convinced by the glory of the risen Jesus. And in verse 14, that courage catches with those who are with him. Verse 14, Luke says, since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, let the will of the Lord be done. Unable to persuade Paul otherwise, his friends finally have the courage, have the trust enough in God to stop their pleading with Paul and to simply trust the will of the Lord. They say, and not without hopelessness, they say with real confidence, let the will of the Lord be done, Paul. Christian courage is not the absence of fear, but the exercise of trust and hope in the face of fear. 
Paul and his friends are very likely afraid of what awaits Paul. It would be almost unhuman for them not to be afraid. But even with this fear, they can be courageously confident, knowing that the will of God is always good, knowing that the will of God is always right, and that if it is God's will for Paul to die for the name of Jesus, that will be an infinitely better plan for Paul's life than the human desire for him to live nine nine or more decades in relative safety. Jesus himself dealt with the fear of the agony he knew that he would face As he prayed in the garden the night that he was betrayed, the day before he was crucified. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36, we read this. Then Jesus went with them, his disciples, to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even unto death. Remain here and watch Uh, Watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And again, for the second time, he went away after chiding his disciples. Verse 42 says, for falling asleep. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, all the same, your will be done. Jesus, in his final moments of of life, final hours of his life, praying to God, I think out of real fear for what is about to happen, still says, Father, I know your plan is better than what I want for me right now. If it's possible for any other way, if it's possible for you to save the world, the sinful people, through any other means than my death, Father, I pray that you would do it. But still, not what I want, but what you want. If your will is for me to die, that's a far better thing. So God, do it. Christian, knowing that you can have courage that comes from conviction about the gospel. Have courage that comes from the conviction about the gospel to know that God's will is good. I implore you this morning, I exhort you this morning, Christian, to repent, to stop the sin of worry and to entrust your life to God's will. Stop sinning by worrying about your life and instead repent and trust God. You say, Stephen, that's really hard. I don't even know what God's will for my life is. How can I give up being worried? How can I repent of the sin of worry if I, and trust God if I don't even know what His will for my life is? Allow me to remind us all that God has already said specifically what His will for your life is. Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. He said this to the church, This is the will of God. So that should perk up your ears, right? <laughs> to know what God's will for you. This is the will of God, Paul says, your sanctification. What does God want for your life? Holiness. What is God's will for your life? Christlikeness. What, what does God want to be the result of the, the 30, 40, 60, 90 years, maybe more, that you may live? For you to look more and more and more like Jesus every day. God's will for your life, dear friend, is not your happiness, but your holiness. It is not your comfort that God wants for you, 
but your conformity to Jesus Christ. God's will is to make your heart and your mind to be clear reflections of His own Son who gave His life for your redemption. And just as it was God's good will that Christ should suffer for our sins, it is also His good will that we learn to courageously endure suffering with trust in God, that He will use it to make us not happy, but holy. Not comfortable, but conform to the image of Jesus. In these chapters, we are watching our brother Paul be sanctified. We're watching him to be made like Jesus. We're watching the will of God at work in Paul's life, his sanctification. And the fruit of his growing holiness is found here in the courage that he displays out of the conviction that he has that Jesus is Lord and that Jesus is risen from the dead. Paul has courage to say yes to Christ because he is convinced that he is secure in Jesus. Paul, being secure in Christ, has courage to love Jesus more than his own life. And knowing the value of this life, as contrasted with the value of the next life and and the value of obedience to Christ, Paul is able to entrust everything that comes his way to the will of God, knowing that it is good. Brothers and sisters, May our conviction that Christ is risen from the dead give us the same kind of courage. Might our belief in the gospel that the only way to be right with God and forgiven of sins is to trust our lives to Jesus as Lord and King. May our conviction about that be what gives us the same courage to face danger, to face dangerous prospects, courage to say yes, to be obedient to Jesus, courage to love Christ more than our own lives, courage to entrust our daily uh, 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 sustenance to the will of God so that in this life we might live freely without worry, but confidently in the security that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. Christian, have courage that comes from conviction about the gospel. Dear friend, let me say to you, if you're here this morning, you're not a believer in Jesus. You're not a follower of Christ. You haven't trusted him as Lord and Savior. It will be impossible for you to display courage in your life in difficult situations if you don't have something greater to live for. Let me tell you this morning that God has given you the greatest purpose with which to live your life. To live your life, to glorify Him, to love Him, to worship Him, to be made right with Him. The Bible tells us that we by our own sin have rebelled against God and separated ourselves from Him. We have made ourselves to be sinners. But God in His love for us does not leave us separated from Him, but extends to us a way by which we might be reconciled to Him. The way that, by which our lives, which are broken by our pursuit of sin, might be made whole again. And that way, that exclusive way to be right with God is through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Son of God, God in flesh, who lived a life without sin, the opposite of ours, and died as a sacrifice on a Roman cross in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. 
That same Jesus was raised from the dead, proving that he is powerful over sin and death, and that he really does have authority to give eternal life to all who will trust in him. And that is the call of Scripture today. Trust in Jesus. Submit your life to Jesus. Become obedient to Jesus. Stop living life. Determine within yourself to stop living life when you want, where you want, how you want, and with whom you want. And instead, submit all of that to Jesus as Lord and say, Christ, I'm yours. Jesus, I'm yours. I don't know what that means. Uh, I I don't know what what that portends for my life. I don't know what what that will bring me, but I know that it will be good. I, I know, I believe that you have died for my sins, been raised from the dead, and that by faith in you, I can be saved. I'm trusting you, Jesus. Save me today. Dear friends, that is the gospel. That is what we uphold in, in our church, is the one way to be right with God. And that is what is upholding Paul's conviction and courage in this text today, that Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected, can be trusted with our lives. Christian, let's have courage that comes from conviction about who Jesus Christ is. Dear friend, you who are not yet following Jesus, have courage in the conviction that the gospel is true. Have courage to step out and to give your life to Christ today. In a moment, we'll sing a song of response. And Christian, if there are things that you need to repent of, worries you need to give over to God, if there are sins you need to confess, you come and and pray here up at the front of the steps. They're open for you to pray and to ask God to give you strength and conviction to be courageous in a difficult world. If you don't yet know Christ, but you feel the tug of God upon your life this morning to trust Jesus for the first time, I'll be standing here at the front. Our student minister, Corey, will be here also to receive you. We would love to pray with you to help you to know how you can have salvation, forgiveness of sins, a right relationship with God as you turn from yourself and your own desires and give all of your life over to Jesus Christ as Lord. Let's pray.